0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress, and we have a special
1: episode today brought to you by Dr. Edward Miller from the Argentine Revival. The name of his message is A Broken and Contrite Spirit.
2: You will not despise You desire true. Best that at times our hearts are prone to wander. But Lord, we lift our heart to you and we ask you to seal in heaven a heart after God. Lord, we confess that you are the King of our hearts, the Lord of our lives. We desire to
1: towards Jesus, uh, that love grows and magnifies and multiplies. It even touches it well. your will. Our hearts become more and more broken and contrite. The word contract is a very interesting word. Most people don't realize what the word means. It's, um, it'll be very well translated pulverized. Um, actually, it's an old English word from the pharmaceutical or apothecary, and it um, you take chalk stone and put it in a mortar and pestle. And beat it and beat it and beat it until it is face powder to put on your face.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That would be chalkstone. It's contrite. It would be the word they use. Because it's one thing to be broken. And a broken thing can be mended, the pulverized can't. Not even two pieces to glue together. Mm-hmm. And that's really the word <clears throat> contrite. is really what it means to have that continual breaking until there's just no way it can ever get repaired. I um, found a long time ago that. A person can come to a a breaking. For instance, I'm thinking right now of a conference in Japan, and a missionary was very happy because their children, who were a bit rebellious, were touched by the Lord and broken. But before they went home, I said, "I said, now look, they were touched by God. They were broken. It was real. It was genuine. But don't be disillusioned. That's only one brick of light in their building of light. It takes a lot of bricks to make a building, not just one." you go back and you'll find there not much pain they wrote me later so glad i told them that because otherwise they would have been really drunk because they weren't much thing because it takes a lot of break time after time it takes a lot of bricks to make a wall and we found long ago we used to be so we ourselves used to be disillusioned in our first <clears throat> years of ministry to see people so broken and boy now they've really met the issues and, and they're repenting and oh god and And the next day, here we were again, right, in the same issues, meet all over again. God, what's going on here? But we found that we could keep them there for about six months that then things began to change. From then on, the longer the better. But otherwise, it's just not deep enough really to affect the will and to affect the character and affect the personality. It shows the right inclination. It shows the possibility. That's why the churches have such problems. Uh, I was just in Hawaii where there's a beautiful movie of the Spirit. And the church is flat on the floor for an hour or two every night as they meet before God every service night. And I said to the pastor, I said, how is your counseling? In fact, they don't have any anymore. And that's true. Because when God begins to take care of the spiritual issues, then the problems just don't even become problems. They're all met. But when more and more it becomes a form, a ceremony, and a, a religious thing. Our minds are met. But we just happen to be more than peanut brains, that's all. Because our mind can be met does not mean that our rest of our personality has had an encounter with God whatsoever. And so we don't have the wherewithal to meet their problems with. We don't have the faith. We don't have the understanding. We don't have the living words to be able to face the issues of life. Because as we break through in the meltings and breakings and we break through in the presence of God, it has a way of opening our ear. We begin to hear. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, is your foolish heart still hardened, having ears you hear not, and having eyes you see not. Um, actually the hardness of heart can be one of the worst sins that a Christian can fall into and one of the most common. And when that happens, according to the words of Jesus, it closes the ears and closes the eyes. Because remember, uh, Paul prayed that the spirit of revelation, wisdom and revelation would come, that the eyes of their understanding might be opened. Because the eyes of our mind can be open, the eyes of our understanding not. That's why it's frightening here in the United States. I hear so much about teaching and teachers, and it's frightening because people's minds are so satisfied and their hearts are so empty and dry. A couple of years ago, I was talking to a couple in a church, in <clears throat> Pentecostal church in San Jose, and after the service, and the Lord had moved a small measure, they were so thrilled, and they said, "Oh my, it is so wonderful! We we're so starved and we're so thirsty. We just want to have something." And where can we go? I said, where can we go now? And they said, to such and such a church. So I said, I've never been there, but I haven't heard the best reports. Oh, my brother, that's such a beautiful teacher. Oh, have you ever heard of him? I said, no, I haven't. Oh, but he's such a wonderful teacher. And I said, where else do you get any help? Well, we go to such and such a thing. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's worse. Oh, have you ever read that book? I said, no, I don't want to. Oh, but he's such a wonderful teacher. I said, all right, all right. You explain it to me. You're sitting under such wonderful teacher, but you tell me your heart's so empty and dry. Now you, you figure it out. But you see, because the mind can be easily satisfied because it can put things together, um, it's an illusion and a deception to think that now we have it, and we don't have it at all. Because man can really only know things by experimentation, by experiencing. You take the man, you're, let's, let's put a hypothetical case. Here's a high school teacher, and he's teaching <clears throat> Introduction to Science, and he wants to show, teach how, the, how the, an electric current reacts in the human body. So he takes a six-month course as a book fully written to show how the electrical impulses pushes the electrons through the nervous system and how the nervous system reacts in such a way and how the muscles and how all the muscles work. And he gets a six-month course on it. Here's another man that doesn't want to waste time. And so he lines his students up in a line, has them all take hands, and he takes hold of an electric current. They know more in one split second than after six months of study. You see what I mean? Because man learns by experience. That's what he really knows is what he experiences. The rest is only theory, the putting together of mental concepts which may or may not be right. But when you have an experience, then within yourself you have a knowledge. And that's why God says he walks with a broken and contrite in heart. He always uses that other word. If you notice time after time it's added. It's not just the breaking, it's the breaking and contracting. That is the over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Until our heart becomes very sensitive and very tender and very uh, responsive to God, then the ears are open. and Then the eyes of the understanding are open. Then I hear from God, then I know. Then when I hear the wrong person or the, I hear a, a the wrong message, I don't go after it. Even though it might put together well in my mind. We've traveled over the world, we've seen and heard many people say these things to us. And oftentimes, they're not the most intelligent people, not the sharpest people. And yet, sometimes it has been, but usual, it's not. But that is, there'll be in some place where there's a, a real subtle error being taught. And there's much of it today. Much of it. It's rife. Most people don't even know the difference, actually. Hmm? There's much error being taught. And it's very subtle. But I've had people say this. <clears throat> well, it sounded right, but something in here just said, and they talk about that something in here that's undefinable.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And if I've heard one person say that to me, I've had dozens. But here's another person. all oh, that's why, all for it, because something in here doesn't say anything, and their minds can put it together. And I thought well, it sounded right, but something in here said no. I remember a, a couple in <clears throat> a, a precious couple in England. Um, they were under some teaching that's just torn them to, um, discipleship teaching actually was just for the the uh, charismatic church, in England, they're just tearing it apart. And this couple said, "Well, it sounded everything sounded right, but but in here we just, we're the yard balls because our little group doesn't go with it, and they think we're crazy. But, but something in here just says no, and they don't know why. But you see, there's been an ear that's opened, and if there's an if there's not breaking of heart, then there'll be that that ear that can hear. Whereas if the if the heart is hard, I won't have that. I'll just have the mind to hear with, and I won't know. And God has set loose in the charismatic stream, especially in Pentecost, especially at this, at this hour in which we're passing through our history, we're passing through now. God has set loose much subtle deception and error, moving away from the foundation truth. So much so that now when I preach things that I learned when I was 10 years of age, People say, Wow, well, we've never heard that before. And I'm just astounded. I've got to go back. Many places I go, I have to go way back and start at zero. And here I'd like to go on and to go way back because they've, they've been taught a lot of things about the old, they, I tell you, on eschatology, that means the doctrine of the future. <laughs> they've got all the answers. They know about the sons and they know about the brides and they know about everything. But I was just in a church recently and I spoke on, on sanctification and two pastors have always Wow, we've never heard that before. I thought, dear Father, were you educated? And th- th- there's a lot of it. There's a, it. It's a lot of mind-building teaching out. And I talk to people, they say, oh, so-and-so. Oh, he's such a wonderful, oh, my way. I listen to him dear. dear. What they're telling me is their ears aren't open because I know the man and nobody's teaching. Maybe they can't hear. They hear all the, the surface. I mean, it sounds good here, and what he sounds good, this sounds good, and they just, just like little... They swallow everything that comes by, you know, pretty soon they get the hook. Because God has set it. And the reason he has said it, um, Paul wrote the Corinthian church, it is necessary that heresy come. That those who are approved among you may be made manifest. In other words, it's a sifting. It sift out those who are really following God with their heart and their spirit. And those who, Paul calls it, a feigned faith, a mental thing. Not that which comes from God. Paul often speaks of feigned love and feigned faith. We call it religiosity it would be more a modern term for it. It's a it's a put on thing and done with oftentimes not the intention of feigning it, just the fact they don't have the real. And not having the real, they put on the false. And we encourage them to put on I mean, we pastors, instead of getting the wife found them all over the world, instead of getting them, for instance, into repentance and into a, a real relationship with God, they get them into religion. You answer this in jesus oh yes i believe in jesus you believe you're a sinner oh yes i'm a sinner do you want to be saved oh yes i want to be saved who doesn't who wants to go to hell you know and so we build a thing, thing rather than taking it through to experience and that breaking is so necessary over in isaiah if you'd like to take a, a word <clears throat> and i find so many people against it pastors they're frightened to death of tears they'll turn it off and especially if there's very much of They're just absolutely panicked. I think one reason is, in fact, I know one reason is because they've never had enough to know what it's all about, and they can't handle it. And they can't allow anything they can't direct and handle. Uh, For instance, I was in uh, Japan. I was in Nishihara's church. He had a beautiful flow of praise, and that's so unusual in Japan. So I asked him, I said, Nishihara, how did you do this? How did you get into it? Well, he said, I used to praise the Lord in my own study. I danced and sang and rejoiced and had a glory time. But he said, I didn't know it was for my people. It was just for me. Then he said, I went to this uh, Grace Bible Church in Hawaii, a beautiful big church. And I saw there the people were rejoicing and dancing and singing like I did alone. I said, wow, it's for the people. <laughs> so then he took it back to his church. Now, there's a great secret. You see, he's come into it first. So now when he takes his people into it, he can handle it. He can direct it. He's fully experimented in it. He knows all about it. And the reason pastors are so panicked by these things is because they haven't been in it, they don't know what it's all about, they can't direct it, they can't, and so turn it off. And it becomes quite a problem. For instance, I was in uh, Sydney, Australia, and I was deeply grieved. I was incensed, actually. I was angry. Um, at the end of the service, there was a little girl that the Spirit was dealing with, and while the pastor was closing the service, I went to talk with her. And I said, <clears throat> I said, the Spirit's talking to you, isn't he? he said, yeah. I said, you need talking to her, don't you? He said, yeah. I said the conversation was somewhat lengthy, but the, the essence of it, I said uh, I said, You're in a lot of sin, i she said, Yes. I said, the spirit's calling, this is your night. And why don't you just let just open your heart? Don't don't run from me, just open to me. I said, Come on, one I'll just kneel I'll kneel with this kneel down here and, and just pour it out to God and tears were coming down her cheeks. And she was just at the point of turning and kneeling with me when two dear saints of God came. Put their arms around her. Now, dear, don't cry. Don't be condemned. Jesus paid it all. Just believe. Just fill your heart with joy and turn their whole thing off. Oh, I could have horsewhipped them with pleasure. Maybe they could have repented then. But anyway, after the service, I asked the pastor who they were, who she was. I think not who they were. She was a girl that used to attend the church. She was 15 years of age. she just had an abortion. Her life was all messed up and here god was reaching out for her and the dear saints of god turned it off you see because they don't understand they've not had it themselves i've had church after church and place after place and people after people tell me they've never known repentance they don't know what it's all about and yet they're charismatic and they're filled with the spirit and all the rest of it actually that's all saying they don't have anything that's real but over here in isaiah you see um paul talks about to the corinthians another jesus another gospel and another and that's what they brought to the point. And that's what's being brought to church after church after church after church is another Jesus. Another Jesus in the sense he's sweet, loving, kind, good, beautiful, wonderful. And the eyes of the flame of fire, the sharp sword out of his mouth. No, that's not there, you see. It's a human Jesus. Paul says, Henceforth we know not Christ after Christ. And they don't seem a fair picture of the human jesus because he could turn on his own disciples said get thee behind me Satan!" they take off that whole side and so it's a false spirit. it's a false spirit because no holy spirit will come into an unholy place so they're speaking in tongues and all the rest it's just a matter of saying banana backwards and away we go it's not the truth. it's a false thing because the true thing he is holy and he will only come where holiness is but it's been cleansing uh when moses stood at the burning bush the first thing God said to him was, don't you come any nearer. Already you're on holy ground. Take your shoes off. That's the kind of God he is. But you can't even get any closer to me yet. Later, he called him up into the fire. But that's after some demons. At that point in his life, stay there. Don't you come any closer to me. So let's look at this <clears throat> scripture over here in Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne. Yeah. 66. Glass chapter. Excuse me, I have Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made. All those things have been, says the Lord. But to this man will I look, into him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. And here's how you are to tremble: He that killeth an ox as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that for as incense as if he placed an idol in other words it goes on the fifth verse hear the word of the lord ye that tremble at his word. the <clears throat> the fear of the lord is to be so upon us that even the best is unacceptable you know what i mean that he's a great king i think one of the things most lacking today is that find in the church is the fear of the lord uh, in australia in new zealand in fact i, I spoke on it sometimes uh, there was such a camaraderie you know, high mate sort of thing. Hi, God. I think there's a book titled, Hey, God. Oh, it's, it's a potion. The, the concept of who he is. And so there's no trembling at the word of God. There is no coming before him with fear. And because of that, the fear of the Lord is just, is a hatred of evil, from Proverbs eight thirteen. And because of that, there is much evil in our lives. We're not afraid of it. We're not ashamed of it. We're not concerned about it. God's a good God. He loves me. And so there's no contriteness, and there's no trembling, and there's no brokenness. And because of that, God says, That's the man I'm going to look to. Or again in Isaiah, where is it? The 47th chapter, if I've forgotten. Um, <clears throat> no, the 57th. Verse 15 For thus saith a high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. And with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble Revive the heart of a contrite one. That's That's the kind of person I'm going to walk with. Or again, <clears throat> in Psalm 51, you probably know that verse quite well. For Thou desirest not sacrifice; else would I give it. Thou desirest, <clears throat> delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifice of God I a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. And at that, you know, each time it's that word contrite. It's an overlooked word, but it means that continual breaking, 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 breaking before God. And in that there comes a working into the spirit, a brokenness. No more is that resistance and no more is that high-mindedness and that high pride. Then the fear of the Lord begins to come and and the the ears begin to open. Jesus said in Psalm 40, I delight to do thy will, mine ear hast thou opened. And when that that will begins to, to break, because it's not only a broken emotion, it's a broken heart and a broken will and a broken spirit that he speaks of. That breaking's got to get way down inside. And then we'll come forth. I delight to do thy will. Then you see, the ear gets open. We we'll begin to hear from God. And there's such a, a panic in churches when God begins to do a little bit of breaking. They just yeah, They like to have it, but very, very little bit, especially for sinners. And then turn it off. Joy, he's done it all. It's a finished work. Jesus has has done it all. You just take faith and move ahead and conquer mountains and conquer kingdoms and king's kids and away we go. It's interesting in John 17, 4, Jesus said, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. Now there he states clearly that it's a finished work. It's all And he hasn't started yet. That's before the Gethsemane. That's before the cross. That's before the resurrection. That's before the trial. That's before the denial. That's even before the betrayal. He not started yet. But he said, it's finished. And if he'd gone home then, we'd had no redemption. Because he could say it's finished, his faith laid hold of the finished work of his father. Because it was finished, he went ahead and did it. Did I mean? Okay, it's true. It's a finished work. That is a truth. Because it's finished, I'll go ahead and do it. And there's the work of faith. You I mean, But if I just rest on the fact it's finished and then don't do it, it isn't finished. Because faith without works is dead. And so if I only lay hold of the faith of it, the finished work, and you hear so much of that today, all over you hear. And if I only lay hold of that, I've missed it. I've missed it totally and utterly. And Paul speaks to the to the Thessalonians, says, Your work of faith, that's what's necessary. Of course he's stated If he hadn't done it, if he hadn't finished it, we wouldn't have Either courage or faith to go ahead and work it. But knowing that it is a finished work and knowing that he has done it all and knowing it is all accomplished, then we have the courage and the hope and the faith to go ahead and work it out because everything's under control. There's no doubt. But you see, it's more than a position, it's a work. And there's a I gave you that scripture because it's a very strong scripture to to show how fallacious, how false it would be to stay with a finished work without the works, because if Jesus had done that, we'd have no idea. It would have been an unfinished job. And yet he said so completely, it's a half-perfect tense. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do, and yet he hadn't done it. And that's a position to say. We can look down, a, 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 like Paul, I, I fought a good fight. I finished the course, henceforth. And we can say that if we're willing to go ahead and do it, and then that's fine. That's a beautiful position. But if I say it and don't do it, it becomes a total error. And so it's necessary to to come into those deep breaking circles until your hearts are just um, completely—we become very sensitized to the things of God, very sensitive to the Spirit. Um, Years ago, there was a, a man that spent much of his life in jail. He was a criminal. He was a robber, professional thief. Then was converted and later was preaching in the in ministry. I think the man's name was King. I was just a a teenager when I knew him. And he was telling me one day how when he would go to rob a safe, he would take sandpaper and he would work his fingertips on that sandpaper until they bled to make them so sensitive that when he'd work that safe over, he could feel the clicks of the tumblers as they turned over. He couldn't even hear them, but he could feel them. Well, that's how God wants to be sensitive to him. So other people won't know anything about it, but you'll know. There'll be that sensitivity. In fact, I personally like the word, and I prefer sensitivity to, dis, to you might say, discerning of spirit. Because that can be a gift that operates, and tomorrow you have nothing. But if we're sensitive, you'll know what's going on all the time. You'll just you'll step into place, and you'll know it. You'll hear a man speak. When I go into a church, I'm oriented within five or ten minutes. I know where the church is and who they are and what they're doing. I have to. I wouldn't know what to bring them if I didn't. I wouldn't know where to meet them. I I found out quick I couldn't just meet them on my level. I had to go where they were. I remember one church back in Virginia about four years ago. I was there for a week, and I spent the whole week back trailing. I don't think I ever did find out where they were. They were so far back. I don't know if they had ever even gotten started. But the thing is to orient, to be sensitive, to know what's there so to you go to a place or you'll hear a message on the radio or television. It can sound so good. Oh, no. Not again. Turn it off. Tapes, there's all kinds of tapes. Some of the finest names. But I found long ago that when a thing gets too popular, look out. Because the high things of God are never popular. The bigger the name, the bigger the suspicion. Does the scriptures say, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you? And the bigger the church, so often, the less the moving of the spirit. I've been in many churches. They had a beautiful beginning and they date their decline when they moved into a new building and start growing. One of the hardest things to handle is growth. One of the hardest things to move into is bigness. Very few. I know a few that can handle growth pretty well, but only a few can handle growth. One reason is that it so occupies our time that we do not have time to keep that broken spirit before God, time to keep that relationship with God, time to keep that sensitivity developed and operating. Because we quickly harden up, very quickly. Again, I say I think one of the most serious sins of Christians is hardness of heart. And it's one of the most subtle. In fact, most of the sins that are serious are not recognized even as sins. Hardness of heart is one. Profaning the holy is another. Being offended, uh, moving out of love is another. We can have all of those three and we'd not be conscious that we're offending at all. Another one is, is unbelief. There are things that, to us, do not seem in any way evil. Now, certain things seem evil to us. There's no one's going to be tempted to go out and get drunk who loves the Lord. There's no one going to be tempted to go out and move in some filthy area of life. But that we know, our spirits tell us that's evil. Our minds tell us, our conscience tell us. But whose conscience tells us that that faith is evil? Nobody. We all have a bit of unbelief here and there. It doesn't seem all that bad to us. But God says this evil heart of unbelief. It doesn't seem that way. He says, he thought, love us not his brother, abide in death. Oh, well, it's easy to get offended with somebody and get your love cut off, but it doesn't seem all that great, you know, or serious a thing. And so there's many things that can get in so easily. But whether it's a sensitivity, whether it's a broken heart, and the ears are open, then the Spirit can speak to you. And he can point out things that are displeasing, or you just know it's because suddenly that that presence is gone. What did I do? I offended somehow what was it And get before the lord and the lord will show you where it was whether it was a hasty word or a slanderous word or a critical word or a unbelieving word or whatever it was because there's a hearing here but the hardness of heart closes the ear and i can't hear i can't hear what the spirit saying and then i go to church i get my mind filled and that satisfies my head and my religious nature and so i can keep on going down trail farther and farther and farther away from God. In Australia, several pastors in four or five places said more or less the same. I'll just use one, but more or less the same. This one pastor was driving me up from Brisbane up to his church. It was about 30 miles. And on the road, he was saying how happy he was. He just got rid of two members of his church, actually on his board. We call him the old guard. So, oh, I'm so glad to get rid of that old guard. Deep in the old ways, you know, God was moving; they wouldn't move with it. And uh, he was just rejoicing that he got these two families out of his church. And I'd heard that twice more than one, actually. So I said to this man, I said, "You know, do you ever stop to think that once upon a time that old this old guard was once upon a time a new guard? And the day, today, day you're happy to get them out, but there was a day that another pastor was happy to get them in. And I said, the people you get in today are going to be the old guard of tomorrow." Unless you find out the answers, why they became the old guard. why became they became those those set in their ways, old religious hard um uh, people in church, if you call them saints, that have totally lost out with god as Paul, as Peter says they' have forgotten that they were once purged from their old sin, and uh, their they're a thorn in the pastor's side, their misery in the church. If God begins to move, they'll be the first that are against it. They got their own ways. Bless God, we always do it this way, and that's the way they do it. And around they go with their own little, with their own little cycle of of religious um, activity, whatever it happens to be their their way, their cut dried way. But when they started out, they weren't that way. They were flexible. They were leadable. They were available. Now there they sit, just hard old up. So a pastor, thankful, to get him out of his church until after a while the pastor himself themselves get that way and so everybody to and then when god moves he's gotta go someplace else to move because they would never be allowed in that church to move at all but the thing is how did they become old oh god they didn't start that way. but just that hardening just that closing until they never get to the place where they are really a people that seek god they're not led on into god they're not taken into breaking upon breaking upon breaking, upon breaking until god can reach in through the emotions to the deeper parts of the inner nature the will the heart the mind the the uh, the um, spirit until i become a king person we are king beholding the glory of the lord from glory to glory it's a process we saw in our work in argentina the longer we could keep our our young people in that state of brokenness and breaking before god and those that would stay there were those that had the great glorious changes in their life. There were those that go into it all right, maybe stay there a month and then they'd drift out, and maybe three months later come back for another month and they'd drift out. They were slow goers. But those that we could get and we could keep in there, their hearts would stay tuned with God and sensitive and broken. Oh, what changes would come. She was a um, a medical student and she was undoubtedly Pentecostal girl, but uh, nothing spiritual whatsoever, really, and uh, all going with the others of her her class, and she was with her peers, and God got a hold of her, and she was one that stayed that way. I think a year went by. I don't think her eyes were ever unswelled. I mean, I've seen her come out in the morning with her eyes literally swollen shut from praying all night, just crying out to God, and that girl had such remarkable changes in her. That today she's my son's wife, Peachy. My son of you might have met her. Today she's no more like the girl that she first was, the girl that we once knew. She's a beautiful woman in God, but she came through those daily, just every day, every day, breakings before God. In fact, when my son saw her, he just come down on a visit. He was going to Bible school in the United States, here in New York. He had him a nice job, he had a nice car, and he had a nice girlfriend. like to get married the next year. He came down on a visit. God was moving. Yeah. He hadn't been there a week. And he said, hey, Dad, who's that girl? I oh, was just one of our Bible school kids by another week. Dad, who's that girl? And he never went home. He stayed there and married the girl. <laughs> yeah. Because there had been such changes. But if he saw her at first, he would never have never been attracted anymore than any more other girl. He had a good girl at the end of it. And those are, the, those are the things that God wants to produce and to keep it there. And the more you can go on it, the more. You'll develop. As soon as you're up, enough, then just mark it down. That's the end of your development. I told people more than once, would the God give you the gift of tears to wash your feet every day? There wouldn't be a day because it's that hardness of heart that closes our inner being. God says, the humble, the contrite. How many times would you have to pound a stone? How many times would you have to break it to make it contrary, Make it face powder, pulverized. Uh, we were sent some dishes. Um, from uh, an English set of English china um, tea sets um, from England. And it arrived broken, some pieces. No matter. A bit of crazy glue, and there they sit, just, just fine. All mended. Because they were broken in three pieces. Each article has uh, broken, by chance, into three pieces. But I assure you, if they'd been pulverized, they would have been melted, uh, uh, mended. And we can have a touch or two or three. And the devil gets out the crazy gloom, and it's not long before we're mended again. We're right back where we were. But if we can keep that place and become contracted before God and walk humbly before God and tremble at His word, that's a different story. That person, God said, I'll, I'll look to that man. I said, I'll, I'll dwell with that man. That's the man that I want to put my habitation in. The only other place you're going to be able to dwell with is a high and holy, high and lofty place, and who can get up there? You only have two choices. So it's not only that the emotions have to break because you can have broken emotions and not will as hard as nails. You can have broken emotions just out of self-pity. Right. You can come in prayer. Oh, God, help me, Lord. Look what these people are doing to me, oh, God. And you just pray and cry up a storm. And there's no breaking at all. But if your heart is open and touched and tender before God, don't worry, you'll have tears also. And so in all you're seeking, seek to keep your heart tender before God, if your heart is broken before God, if your heart is sensitive before God, whenever you find it hardening up, let that be the first red light. Let that be the understanding. Hey, wait, something's going wrong. I have seen so many people all over that have never known what it is. I remember um, just about four months ago, I was talking in Poole, England with a pastor's wife. They were on their way to the United States on a ministry tour. He had been invited over here, and they were coming, Pentecostal woman. And after a service, she came up to me and says, you know, I don't think I've ever had any real repentance. I said, woman, what are you saying to me? You mean that? She said, yeah. I said, you mean to tell me that you have never washed the feet of Jesus with your tears? She says, no. I said, you know what I'm going to do? She says, what? I said, I'm going to wash his, tears, my, his feet with my tears for you. I said, you're in a pathetic state. passed his wife, she was a woman from 35, four years of age. She wasn't a novice. I said, you're a person in your position of this long has to say a thing like that. I said, you, you terrorize me. And thank the Lord, before the week was over, she was very much washing his feet with his tears. But, but there's so many, so many. It, to me, it has honestly become frightening. I can go into churches, and we can go through the whole religious bit. And I've seen them. I've been in service after service, in church after church. And there's no moving of the spirit. There's no breaking, there's no melting, there's no, there's no coming down before God. It's all a mental thing, and Paul would call it a feigned faith, a false thing, another spirit, another gospel, another Jesus. It's interesting that when you go into the history of revival, whether it was Wesley or whether it was Evan Roberts in Wales or whether it was Finney or wherever it is, you'll find it's always marked with great crying and weepings and and stirings and that inner being was stirred before God. And the very fact my inner being is not stirred is the first sign that you're so far away that there's there's no reaching in to contact. So it's such withdrawing because nobody can draw near to God without being deeply affected in his inner nature. Nobody just like no one could come in the presence of angels and say, Hi, angel. An angel stood before us we'd all be flat on the floor instantly. That so, was Tremendous beings—the awesomeness, the fear that would be generated, the the very magnetism, if I could use the word, that isn't scriptural, of their personality. Oh, how it would reach out to us! You've been in a the presence of a of a um, a person with with charisma, we call it, just a human being, or you come in the presence of some some ruler, you'd be awed. How much one of those beings! And the very fact that I can come to church and my inner being is untouched shows how far away from God I am or how far away from God the church service is, one of the two or both. So in all you're seeking, seek you to come into that place where God can dwell because he wants to dwell with it. And we cannot dwell in that hard, religious, um, that false thing that we put on that hides the real or takes the place of the real. Now this is totally unscheduled and unplanned, but I think perhaps your heart will be able to understand and receive what we're talking about here. I don't talk just freely in most places, but I think you're able to understand <clears throat> and hopefully able to to lay hold upon it and you can just put it up on your on your um, bulletin board of your life when you come in the presence of God and in your prayer times and your heart is done. Touched and your emotions are untouched, and your inner beings untouched. Let that be the red light. Let that be the warning signal. Hey, wait a minute. Let's push everything out of the way for a while till I get back into into contact, into sensitivity, into our, whatever the barrier that's keeping me and God separated is brought down. Whether it's carelessness or whether it's uh, some way I've offended Him, knowing or unknowing. And if it's unknowing, well, David had that too. He said, I'll take care of my secret sin, my unknown sin, my hidden sin, the things I don't know about. Until there is that sensitivity and that responding to God. We are extremely sensitive creatures. We'll respond to sounds. We'll respond to light. We'll respond to sight. we we'll respond to touch. We're very sensitive. We're not um, an insensitive creature by a long way. We're very sensitive. The smallest sound can do something to you. In the dead of night, and you wake up, just a creek can do something to you. A roof adjusting in the heat of the cold. You can be very sensitive. So that if we come in the presence of God and are untouched, being as sensitive as we are, well, that's the time to take warning. Now, let it go on from that point on. But finding out what is this. It's moving me out. Just like if you sat in a place and, and people are talking all around you and you can't hear some, what they say. Suddenly you can't hear what, what they say. You just see their lips moving. Why wouldn't you be frightened? You'd go see your doctor the next day, wouldn't you? Or you may, might not even wait till the next day. You might get him up at night. <laughs> because here is the, here is the stimula. Here is what I should respond to, and there's no response. I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. Oh, my, that would get us into action immediately, wouldn't it? And the same is true. If I move into friends of God, I begin to seek God, and draw near to God, and there's nothing there, well, that shows something's wrong. Let's move out and find out what it is, dig right in there, and don't be satisfied until the barriers are down and we're in touch again. And that way, we will be moved from glory to glory, we'll be developed by the Spirit of God, we go from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from grace to grace, from glory to glory, all all those are scriptures, and we'll move on up into God. Otherwise, we'll cut that great and almost universal, I'm sorry to say, decline, where people have one great experience in salvation and perhaps to and that's the Holy Spirit. And that's it. Down, 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 down they go into the old guard. So when God wants to move, he has to bypass it and move with new and fresh beginning of God. Lord, Jesus, we can talk about these things, but spirit of God, we need you to work them into our hearts and into our life. We need you, God, to speak to our hearts, speak to our mind, speak to our inner being, speak the word that would bring us into responsiveness. Let our hearts tremble before you, Let our hearts be sensitive. And when there is a loss of sensitivity, make us become even more sensitive to the loss of sensitivity. Let us know right there, God, this is where I stop. I don't want any barriers. I don't want to drift on from as a river running downhill, ever farther and farther and farther away from its source. I don't want to be like a fish that's sick and drifting downstream, heading for the great fall. I want to go on up to God. I want to be like Paul that pressed towards a mark. Even though I haven't yet attained, I've pressed towards the mark. I desire, O oh, Master, let us have the wisdom of being very sensitive to insensitivity. Let us have the wisdom and knowledge to know when you, when you withdraw, that's the time to start running. Let that be like a mighty trumpet of alarm sounding in our souls. Let us understand, O oh, God, that that's the place where we better stop and take inventory. What's wrong? Where did we make the wrong turn? Where did we lose your presence? Where did we offend you? Where did we harden our heart? Where did we cease to listen? What is it? Where is that beautiful sensitivity and glory of your presence and your love and your joy that's spontaneous and effervescent within us? Oh God, put such a cry in our heart that says, Oh God, I don't want to stay this way. I don't want this kind of a hard thing. I don't want a heart of stone. You want not only us to be clay in your hands, which wants to be wet clay, moldable, responsive, open. Oh Lord, search our heart. All the hard areas, all the unresponsive areas, all the rebellious places, all the places where will is not yet broken. Lord, take your pestle and pound again. And pound again and pound again until that too becomes pulverized. Until that too becomes contrite. Till that too becomes broken. Lord deal with us. Don't withdraw your hand. Don't let us fall into self-pity when you deal with us. Let us be wise. Don't let us fall into reactions of bitterness and hardness. When you deal with us, let us be all the more sensitive and thankful that you still love us and care. Lord, let us be more fearful of a hard heart than of a lion in the way. Let us be more fearful of anything that would take us away from your presence. Let it be like a viper in a path. Father, teach us, show us, help us, but don't leave us this way. Oh, we'll harden up so quickly. It's so easy for us to get habitual religious. It's so easy, oh God, for us to just become stained in our faith and stained in our responses. We learn to sing the right way and clap our hands at the right rhythm. And all the time, our hearts are empty, dry. Oh God, keep us. We can't keep ourselves. We'll quickly fall into those traps. We'll be led away by some odd doctrine. We'll be caught into our own nets. Your responsibility. Show us, O God. Lift us, O God. Help us, O God. Let us not be ashamed of being tender before you. Forgive us our, our shame of our tears. Forgive us, O Lord, for being ashamed of being sensitive. Let us not care what our peers think. Let us not be afraid of having our eyes red, of having our nose run. Let us be afraid of being hard. Let us be afraid of being religious. Let us not be those that develop an old guard spirit just become those old religious people and we go on our way whatever our way is and we're satisfied we say our perfunctory prayers read our perfunctory bit of scripture and all the time our heart oh god our hearts are insensitive unresponsive untouched unbroken and even though we may have yielded in some ways, there's so many ways that there's no yielding oh lord search us Show us all those areas that they yet need contracting. Bring forth your holy pestle. Let there be, O God. The contracting work of God. Let our hearts be broken, melted, and tender. Just be merciful to us. We're sorry we offend you so easily. We turn so quickly to our own way. So easily. So rapidly. Please forgive us. I thank you, God, that you're merciful. You're not like we are. Oh, Father, breathe upon, breathe upon, breathe upon. Lord, let us be so broken that there'll be a place for you to come and inhabit. For your will, for your word, for your presence, for your love. Oh, we want to love. We want to love you with a heart that is so responsive to you. You're not going to break the things you put there. You're just going to break the things that need broken. God, the things that inhibit the flow of your spirit. The things that inhibit your anointing, the things that inhibit the flow of your power and grace, the things that would spoil the work of grace, the things that would hinder your love from coming to us, your spirit from coming. O oh God, forgive. but within our hearts such determination to draw near to you. When thou saidst, Seek in my face, my heart said, Thy face will I seek, O oh God. Let my heart say, Thy face will I see. Thy face will I see. Thy face will I see. Don't care what others
3: see.
1: Don't care what others say. Don't care what they like it or not. But Thy face will I see. Let's take Thy face until you can break all the hard areas of my will, of my heart, of my spirit, my life. Take all that out we become moldable. You can make us conforming to your will, your plan, and your purpose, and your delight. You can be pleased with us. We'll walk before you in the fear of the Lord. We'll hate evil because you hate it. We'll love righteousness because you love it. We'll be your children indeed, but not with stained faith, but with un faith. Oh, Lord, deal with us. Deal with us as we are, oh God. Don't leave us. Don't withdraw your spirit us. We would pray with David, take not thy Holy Spirit from us, withdraw not thy presence up. us, make us people of the presence of God, make us those that love you for all of our hearts, let us have that humble heart before you, oh God, put a cry in our hearts, let there be tears in our eyes, let there be a mourning in our
3: heart.
1: let there be a mourning inside, O oh Lord, the breaking let us be like a Jeremiah, whose eyes were a river tears. Oh Lord, we see your people so hard, so insensitive, so deaf, so blind, so blind. Just like a blind beggar takes whatever's given to him, whatever the preacher says, it's okay. He has no eyes to see with. He has no ears to hear. His heart is hard. He doesn't know the difference between truth and error. He can't see the difference between the true Christ and the false one. He doesn't know the difference between the true spirit and the false one. Oh, God. Visit us again. Visit our people again. Visit your church again. They're your people, God. They're yours. Don't let them develop into that old guard seat. Interrupt that downhill course. Let there come a mandate from heaven. Stop. Let there come a repentance to your church again, a turning around, a turning towards God, or crying out to you. And moving into that place, oh Lord. Oh, Father, be merciful. Be merciful to your people. Let your spirit be gracious to us, Father. Don't leave us this way. Don't leave us this way. But be merciful to
3: us.
1: Lord, touch your ministry. Take away that dependence upon this sharp, trained mind and brain. <laughs> Let there come an arresting and a questioning. Let our hearts begin to say, Is this all? Where's the God of Elijah? Where's the God of Moses? Where's the God of Paul? Where's the God of John? Lord, make us haters of ritual. Open our hearts. Follow hard after me.
0: You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister.
2: I'll talk to you soon. With great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling into.